Thanks for joining us on Joy Church Podcast. Our Sunday services are held at 1030 a.m. at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To stay up to date with what's going on at Joy Church, check out our website at www.joychurch.life. The following message is presented by our senior leader, John Poundstone. A couple quick announcements. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, do you know what this is the season, right? This is the season. February 22nd, worldwide, an 1,800-year-old tradition called Lent started. It's building It's building in the spiritual atmosphere. Do you know that only 14 days from now is Palm Sunday? The start of Passion Week? Do you know that only 16 days from now the Jewish people join in because that's when Passover starts? It runs through April 13th, starts April 5th. There is something up in the atmosphere. It's worldwide. It's no coincidence that in Kentucky, and in all the other places that it's bubbling up. This is a year. This is a year when God is really moving, and he is here too. Right? Thank you. Thank you. So, this is what's going on in our tribe come this Easter season. Every one of you is warmly invited to any or all of these, except Saturday morning. The prerequisite is you need to be a man, 13 years or older. Um, But please take a look look at this uh, slide. Take a picture of it if you want on your phone. Uh, If you're not a member, there is a, we have a Facebook group out there called JC, stands for Joy Church, JC Family Connection on Facebook. If you're on Facebook and would like to be a part of that group, please just hit the search button the search bar in Facebook and click the join button and we'll get you quickly approved and you can find out uh, some of the rambling thoughts of myself and others. You can find out what's going on. You can find out interesting posts. There may even be a corny joke or two because I like corny jokes, um, etc. Does that make sense? Next, please join. Every Saturday night, we also have a gathering here that we call Seek, where we go hard after the presence of the Lord and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He is just free to run the service. It's not a regular church service at all. We just show up, praise, worship. If the Holy Spirit wants to prophesy, if he wants to heal, if he wants to deliver, awesome. Mostly we just want to seek the Lord's face for that sake alone. Saturday nights, 6.30. Got it? Lastly, We've been doing a class every Wednesday night for weeks and weeks and weeks. It's called Insurgents, and the whole idea is to once again bring forth the radical gospel, the full gospel, the radical gospel of the kingdom of God. Unearthing that gospel and then activating it, living our lives accordingly. So it's been going on for weeks and weeks and weeks. Every week stands alone, and... These next two Wednesdays are going to be a very special because we kicked off we kick off the next section of the course, which is all about liberty, liberty, freedom in Christ. So it's a great thing to join, and you can. After those two weeks, we're going to take a break for Easter, but please feel free 
to join. If you need help, we're basing this from not basing it. We're using a, a book, and we'll tell you all about that then. And if you need help buying the book, we don't want to have any barriers to your entry and so forth. So again, you're, you're, you're invited. Wednesdays, doors open at 6.15, starts at 6.30. It ends promptly at 8. There is child care, $5 per child paid by the parents uh, provided. Have any questions about that? See anybody who has their hands raised right now after service, including those in the booth, etc. I got through the announcements, right? Go, John. So everybody, everybody say that title with me slowly. Laz R Us. Now say it fast. Now say it with the emphasis on the last two syllables. Laz. Laz are us. That's pretty much the whole message. Okay, I get to talk some more. Father, once again, I ask for the power of your Holy Spirit to penetrate every person in the way that you want to and need to. This morning, this morning, this morning, minister resurrection power into each and every soul and spirit and person in this room. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Where, where, do y'all have a favorite place? I, I have a favorite, I have several favorite places. Well, let me explain what a favorite place is. is that <clears throat> favorite place is that place where you feel at ease the most. That place where you know that you're the most safe and the most free to just sink into your own bones and where you're just absolutely the most comfortable in your own skin. Maybe, maybe it's the setting. Maybe it's the atmosphere. It's where you can be among people you are safest with. You all know what I'm talking about there, right? For some, that's, that's family by blood. Those are very fortunate people. For many... It is family by affinity. You're not belly button family, blood family, but your family, no less. It's a place where you are accepted, where you can truly let your guard down, where you have no need to be on. Is that just, you're catching what I mean by a favorite place? You know, it's just that place you can just be with those people you can just be with. You can talk. You can not talk. You can do stuff together or you can just sit around, chill. Maybe it's a city or a town. Maybe it's a location. One of my favorite places is a location. Maybe it's a campsite. Maybe it's a place you go to get away or to vacation. Maybe it's a holiday gathering in a home. Favorite place. Do you have one in your mind? Favorite place. You know, Jesus, he had 12, he had his 12 disciples. Obviously, some of his favorite people. Sure, he was absolutely close with them, with all of them, but especially with Peter and James and John. 
Throughout his public ministry, Jesus worked remote at all times. He was the first remote worker. He never had a home or an office at any time during his public ministry. His relationship with his disciples was on a different basis, though. It was high stress. They were constantly on the move. They were constantly on the lookout for danger, especially in the last months of his public ministry. They were always wary for people who wanted to troll them. You talk about trolls. Nothing today compares with the trolls they faced. At all times, everybody, Jesus was constantly training, mentoring, coaching. They were constantly trying to figure this whole how do I think and act and move and live and have my being this way. So it was constant mental overload, high stress. So that wasn't Jesus' favorite place. It would be logical to think that it was, but it wasn't really. He did have one. Jesus had a favorite place. He did have his special place and his special people. Bethany. Bethany. It's a small, nothing, nondescript, unincorporated area on the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives. It's only two miles outside of Jerusalem. It was a, it was a bedroom community. It still exists today, but under an Arabic name. And you know what the Arabic name actually means at at its root? The Arabic name for this place on the West Bank actually contains Lazarus. Actually contains Lazarus. Bethany, Jesus' favorite place. You know, he went there every single chance he got. He and his disciples traveled all over Galilee, all over Judea, and then they got outside the boundaries. But, but every chance that Jesus got to, he went back to Bethany. It truly was his special place. So Bethany, I mean, really, even today, if you go to Bethany, it isn't any more special looking around than Fernley or Fallon or Wadsworth, Nixon, Schurz, Lovelock, Silver Springs, Stagecoach, Dayton, Moundhouse, Yarrington, you name it. Small, nondescript places that humble, nondescript Jesus followers call their special places and try to get back to whenever they can. Again, Jesus got to Bethany as often as he could. It's where he would stay when he was going to be around Jerusalem for a while. He would commute from Bethany. It's exactly where he stayed the week that he would be betrayed. It's exactly it's exactly where he stayed. That coming week he was to be betrayed, he was to be tortured, he was to be crucified, and he commuted. So he knew what was coming, but he went to the trouble to walk four miles round trip every day to do it. That's how much he loved Bethany. There are deep prophetic aspects of Bethany. I really wish we had a few hours. I'd love to dive into those with you. Eschatology, other reasons. Bethany is incredibly important. But that's not where we're going today. 
I, I, I imagine, the reason I bring it up is I imagine that's part of why Abba had Jesus stay there. However, <clears throat> there were far more present and precious reasons that Jesus stayed there. The Son of Man stayed where his closest friends lived. The people who just meant the most to him, other than the disciples. Remember the story in the Bible? This is, this is after the week that I'm going to talk about this morning. Very close to when he was betrayed. Remember the story in the Bible when the woman pours the precious oil all over Jesus' feet and sops it up, dries it up with her own long hair as an act of worship? Some say because it was close to the betrayal and crucifixion. Some say it's, it's what started embalming him or, and, or, you know, they wrapped them in oils after they died, what they put them in the tomb. Well, that happened at Simon the leper's house. Where's Simon the leper's house? In Bethany. But who lived in Bethany that were, that was so special, who were so, 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 so special. His most precious people. Mary, her sister Martha, and their brother, Lazarus. That's one of the main reasons Jesus got to Bethany as often as he could, because that's where he could chill. Drop his shoulders, relax, not have to be on, and just be with his people. Two days of now, two, two Sundays from now, again is Palm Sunday. What was Palm Sunday? It was the Sunday of Passion Week, four days before Jesus would be betrayed. Tradition says that, that, that the day, that that is the day of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Well, if there's an entry, there has to be an exit. So where did Jesus leave? Where did he leave from that day he came into Jerusalem? Bethany. Jesus' special place. Now, just, the Bible isn't precise. The timeline is not precise. I'm going to pretend it was today. Long about today, just before Passion Week, a couple of weeks before that, the Bible records the final major public miracle that Jesus performed. Now, I have to tell you something. The timing of this, the place of this, the everything about this that had occurred among his closest friends and really uh, spiritual family, family by affinity, all of it, every bit of it, the prophetic location of Bethany, it, it just screams significance, profoundness. <laughs> so here goes the Reader's Digest version of that video we're not going to see. Jesus and the 12 disciples had been out of that area. They had been ministering all over the place throughout the region. They had not been anywhere near Bethany. Bethany. 
<clears throat> one of the reasons that the father sent them away is because trouble was building. The stuff they were doing, the things that were going on, you can read about this in the later chapters of Matthew and Mark and Luke, but in John chapter 10, you can really capture this. Man, they were they were doing the right thing. They were doing the kingdom things. They were unfurling the gospel of the kingdom, and they were releasing healing and deliverance and proclaiming this gospel all over the place, but it really got the authorities honked off. They were disturbed. They were upset. They were wondering where this was all going. It was threatening their power base because here, here was this nondescript Nazareth, guy from Nazareth and nobody from nowhere, who, was, who, who it seemed like was exciting. The people, well, if the people get excited, then all of a sudden the peace that's between the emperor and the church the emperor and the Jews is disturbed. The emperor who was in place at the time very proudly put this thing in place called Pax Romana, the peace by the Romans. And it was a peace totally accomplished by power and violence. It was sickening and disgusting and horrible, and it was worse than anything that's on the planet today or has been for a very long time. Pax Romana, and, and that's power violence, control. We're going to manage the people by abusing them and dominating them, putting the very fear of the, of the emperor into them. Jesus was upsetting this. His 12 people, the miracles, the acclaim that he was building. So they were avoiding Judea, where Bethany exists. Well, then they received news that Jesus' spiritual brother, Lazarus, was very ill. He was going to die. <laughs> he tells his disciples, no, we're going to keep on trucking. We're going to keep on doing what we're doing. And I think... The Bible doesn't say this, but I think they were kind of relieved because if they go back to Judea, man, it's not going to be good. There are some people that are really threatening. By the way, this is all in John chapter 11. That's what John chapter 11 is all about. All verses 1 through 46 are all about this very story. Lazarus dies. And Jesus and the Twelve are still rambling around outside the region in a whole different area. They're walking along one day, and Jesus says to the disciples, All right, boys, <clears throat> we're going to head back to Judea. They say, paraphrasing, they say, really bad idea. How about we don't do that? And uh, Jesus said, Well, no, Lazarus is sleeping, <laughs> he's dead. I mean, Better than a doornail. Ah, flatline. Has been. They wrapped him up. He's in the tomb. Lazarus, I mean, Jesus says, he's sleeping. And then he, then he makes a claim. We're going we're gonna to go there and we're going we're gonna to show the power of God. At a time when the timing couldn't be worse. 
The Romans are on DEFCON, whatever. What's the highest DEFCON? Is it zero or four? DEFCON four. The Romans are on DEFCON four. Caiaphas and the San and the Sanhedrin, all of the religious authorities, the 70 leaders from the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the ruling council of the everybody, the business people are all on DEFCON four, right? This is a bad time to go pull off another power miracle. But they do. They head in. So one of the sisters runs out to meet them, finding out they're in the area. She's crying and she's crying. Lazarus is dead and you didn't get here on time. And this is where it gets important. So can I have a couple of men? Please go get it. Okay. Did you bring a Bible today? If you did, pull it out. I don't care if it's on your phone or in person. Pull out your Bible, please. Anybody who doesn't have a Bible, no problem. Please raise your hand. We're going to bring one to you. Okay, a couple of men go grab Bibles. We have time. And when these hands go back up, we are in John chapter 11. Ho, ho! Okay, I've taken this. Uh, okay. Uh, may I look at one of those uh, Bibles too, please, Randy? Thank you. This is the English Standard Version. It's a very, very, it is a very accurate translation. So where we are in these <coughs> handout Bibles is on page, we're starting at page 523, 523. John chapter 11. And there's about 600 pages or a little more in this translation. We'll probably get them all covered today. (laughs) Totally lying to you. Okay, we're up to about verse 9, verse 10. John chapter 11. Jesus says to his disciples, Lazarus, our friend, has just fallen asleep. It's time that we go awaken him or I go awaken him. That's in verse 11. In the next verses, Jesus clarifies to his disciples, no, no, he's dead. He's real dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there because now you have another opportunity. Remember, this is like three weeks, two weeks before the end of his public ministry. This is the crowning event because now you have one last or another opportunity to see who I am so that you will learn to trust in me. Come on, let's go see him. Well, good old Thomas, I'm up to verse 16. (laughs) Let's just go check this out, right? I mean, he's just like, he's totally Mr. Negative. He say, yeah, right, kind of. I mean, he loved Jesus, followed him, ends up revolutionizing entire areas of the earth eventually. But at this point, he's still kind of 
Well, you have one of those people in your lives, right? Yeah, they'll, they're around every silver lining, there has to be a cloud. That's our brother Thomas. Because he knows Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. Now, when the one sister goes out, all the other friends come out to see Jesus on the outskirts. He's not even in town yet. Mary had stayed back. Martha, Martha, classic Martha, the worker bee, the one who gets stuff done. We love our Marthas. Now I'm up to verse 22, 23. Jesus says to her, Martha basically says to him, he's dead. You didn't come. It's all your fault. And he says, hey, Martha, your brother will rise and live. And she says, I know that. I believe you're coming back. Everybody's going to rise in glory. I know that. He says to her, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not the day I'm talking about. He says, you don't have to wait until then. And here is the verse. 11.25. He says to Martha, I am the resurrection. I am life eternal. Your translation might say it differently. Anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will live forever. And the one who lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And here's what Martha says. Yes, I do. I've always believed that you are the anointed one, the Son of God, who has come into the world for us. She hurried off to get her sister, Mary. (laughs) And Mary and she come back. Because they noticed how quickly everybody left. Verse 35. Let's start at 33. When Jesus looked at Mary and saw her weeping at his feet, and all her friends who were with her grieving, he shuddered with emotion, shuddered with emotion, and he was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. He said to them, Where did you bury him? Now, come on. He's Jesus. He probably kind of has a hunch because he knows Bethany real well. Like always, when God asks questions, it's so that you and I gain insight. He was just trying to help them gain insight. Here's verse 35. Then tears streamed down Jesus' face. He wasn't weeping that Lazarus had died. He was weeping because all of Lazarus, Lazarus' peeps, were so deeply hurt and grieving. Why didn't he do something to keep Lazarus from dying? Then Jesus, with intense emotions, came to the tomb a cave with a stone placed over its entrance. Jesus told them, Roll away the stone. Then Martha said, Good old Martha. She's the pragmatic one. Everybody needs a Martha, especially me. 
because I'm about as non-pragmatic, non-practical as anybody who ever walked the earth and drew breath. Thank God I have a pragmatic, practical one, a realist. Don't you appreciate our Marthas? Not always. But aren't always we glad that we have one after the fact? But Lord, it's been four days. By now his body is already decomposing. Anybody remember what it says in the King James Version? He stinketh. Jesus says, didn't I tell you that if you will believe in me, you will see God unveil his power? (laughs) So they rolled away the heavy stone. Jesus gazed into heaven. And then here's what he says. Father, thank you that you have heard my prayer. For you listen to every word I speak now, so that these who stand here And these who sit in this room or stand in the back with Jesus, with me, will believe that you have sent me to the earth as your messenger. I will use the power you have given me. Then with a loud voice. The King King James Bible says Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come forth. Every other translation says, Lazarus, come out. So, this is being recorded. Let's mimic Jesus. You ready to shout? On the count of three, let's shout so that the whole World Wide Web can hear it someday. Lazarus, come out. I don't even think baby Polly won't mind there in the back. Ready? One, two, three. Yes. In front of everyone, (laughs) Lazarus gets out. Dead four days. (laughs) See, I like video, and I can just imagine, because remember, he's all wrapped up. He looking like the mummy with no eye holes, no nothing. In fact, they, they, they wrapped their whole body at the time, usually in cotton, tightly, way more than you wrap an infant, and then they put a big old handkerchief over their head. So you can imagine, here comes Lazarus. <laughs> Can't see anything. Can't move his hands to remove the handkerchief. No eye holes, big handkerchief. Don't even know where he's going, bang, off the wall, <laughs> tripping over the, I see. <laughs> so Lazarus comes out of the grave. Slowly hobbled out, your Bible says. He still had his grave clothes tightly wrapped around his hands. This is interesting. When the women come back to the tomb on Resurrection Sunday, the grave clothes that were in around Jesus are neatly wrapped and laying there. Who took his grave clothes off? Inquiring minds want to know. Mm -mm. Maybe himself. 
Maybe angels, because that was an angel who met the women. But a completely divine act, a completely divine act, Jesus himself acting as Jesus doesn't need our help when he does something divine. But when he moves in the earth, when he moves in his church, when he, when he manifests the ruling presence of the gospel of the kingdom, he always does so through people. Hence, he didn't carry Lazarus out of the tomb. Hence, he didn't unwrap Lazarus. He ministered out of love. And when that happens, he requires accountability and responsibility. So Lazarus was raised, but he was accountable and responsible for walking out of the grave. But there he was, completely bound up, totally in bondage, unable to obtain freedom on his own. The liberty of the lordship of Christ could not be his until the church, his friends, loosed him, unwrapped him. I told you earlier that this was a profoundly, profoundly dangerous and prophetic act. Quickly, the news that this happened, this major public miracle, this undeniable thing, two miles on the outskirts of Jerusalem, nobody could deny it happened. Nobody had any other explanation. Now 12 men and a whole bunch of other people absolutely 100% totally believe that he was the king. He is the king. Well, you can just imagine how the Romans felt and how the Sanhedrin, the 70 leaders, the religious leaders, reacted. Oh my gosh, this has upset Pax Romana. The Romans are going to kill us all. So the rest of John chapter 11 says how Caiaphas, the high priest, says, hey, <laughs> dudes, way better that one man die than our whole nation. It says it right in your Bible. This final act of resurrection power is what set all of the religious leaders and all of the business people who had agendas and all the politicians and all the self-absorbed so on edge, they decided, we better kill this guy. And I propose to you this morning that the very next Sunday, when Jesus rides into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey and all the people are throwing down and shouting Hosanna in the highest, game over. That's why they had already talked to Judas Iscariot, promised him money to betray Jesus. That's how the whole thing went down. It was the Father's timing because the Father told Jesus to do this. The Father let Lazarus lie in that tomb four days. The father said, okay, situation ready for this day that we celebrate in three weeks. The death, cruel, 
tortuous, hideous, mocking, derisive death of Jesus crucified on a cross. Dead. Buried. Whole power system celebrating. See, here's the deal. There is no war between God and Satan. God already won. Satan's completely defeated. He isn't even trying to go out of war with God. He's trying to He's trying to do what he's always trying to do. He's trying to get our worship. He's trying to get the throne, all like that. But he's not worrying with God. Who's he worrying with? The church. You. Me. Yeah, I'll tell you what. If the religious authorities, the Sanhedrin and the Romans, were wavering at all before about what to do with this Jesus, all doubt was removed now. They're going to kill him. Laz or us. I'm going to requote you from verses 25 and 26. In your translation, it will say a little differently, probably. This is the Passion Translation. It says, Jesus says to them, Jesus says to us, Jesus, Lord, Savior, Master, Creator, and Head of all, says to you and me, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. Actually, this is the ESV. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? In the Passion, it goes this way. You don't have to wait until the future day I return in glory. I am the resurrection, and I am life eternal. Anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will live forever. And the one who lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? See, the word Jesus uses here, though, it's not the same word he uses a few chapters earlier in John chapter 3 when he's talking to Nicodemus. John 3.16 For God so that he sent his Okay, some people in the room don't know that verse. So, it goes like this. You've seen John 3.16 on TV lots. Maybe I don't have it. For, for God so loved the world that he sent the only son he ever had that whoever believes in him should not, shall not, will not perish but shall have everlasting life. That's a different word, different derivation. The word that he uses in John 11, 25, and 26 is resurrection life. Beyond time. Beyond time. Life of resurrection power. Life has the power to exist. An amoeba has the power to exist. A human has the power to exist 
in a very full-spectrum, wonderful kaleidoscope sort of way, technical or life. Life can be defeated. Anybody know any people who have so far in their lives been defeated? Or gone through seasons in their life where they were defeated? Life can be defeated. Resurrection is a higher, superior, higher life. Resurrection overcomes. Resurrection conquers. Everlasting life is one thing. A life of resurrection is a whole nother matter. Anybody ever hear of Miller High Life Beer? That was my dad's favorite. Can I just tell you that his Miller High Life beer did not bring him life. He died very young thanks to alcohol and other substances. There is a high life. There is a superior way, truth, and life. Resurrection. Resurrection. That's why we celebrate it every year. That's why it's so important. That's why the lead up to it These next two, three weeks are so important. Nine years ago, remember I told you earlier that Satan's war is with the church? He loves nothing more than to kill a church. Nine years ago, this church, right here, the one in this room, was mortally wounded. (laughs) And one July day, Satan was convinced he had dealt this church the coup de grace, the killing blow. Bam! I killed this church. My wife and I were here. It's our first time ever in the service. We were here to speak, and we were right there in front of us. It happened. And the devil got into people's heads and emotions and fatigue and everything else, and months and months and months had led up to becoming mortally wounded, and Satan was ready to give it the final blow. And he tore this church wide apart. And we watched it happen. The church split horribly and violently. The church was dead. (laughs) There I'm sitting right about where these people are right here. People listening to the recording have no idea where I'm pointing. Okay. So uh, right about where you all are sitting. I had my message all prepared. My first time in the church. Man, I'm a little nervous, but you know. What are they going to think of me? All that stuff. I threw that whole message out. Those of you who are in the room now can remember that day I came up right here and I spoke some words, just like five words, maybe ten. And the peace of God settled. had nothing to do with me. I think the words were divinely inspired. I said the words. The peace of God came. Long road to recovery. Long road of healing, some of which is not even finished today. The church resurrected, literally resurrected. Here we are today. And here we are actually out doing a lot of things that bring a lot of life to a lot of people. Here's the funny thing. The words I spoke came directly from John 11. The very fat chapter we're focusing on today. Resurrection is absolutely not just possible. 
It's real. It's reality. So today, I speak resurrection. We are now just three weeks from Resurrection Sunday. Between now and then, I invite you, I encourage you, I coax you, I cheerlead you if I only had some pom-poms. That's a visual. Um, Anything I can do to encourage you to make a priority every gathering that's being offered in this area. Men's events, women events, church events, church gatherings. It doesn't matter the brand name on the church. It only matters if they love Jesus and follow the Bible. Go there. Be a part of it. Do everything you can to absorb what is in the atmosphere worldwide right now. To gain resurrection power that lasts. You saw the Easter calendar that we put up? You're welcome. Please come. Don't limit yourself to that, though. If there's other things that attract you, I mean, there's a local church here in town that's having what they're calling a revival tonight. They follow a completely different doctrine than we do. A lot of things that we don't agree with, with their doctrine, I'm probably going to go there tonight at 6 o'clock, just for that very reason. I want every bit of resurrection the Lord has to give these next two, three weeks. Begin your path to resurrection power right now. What is resurrection power? Well, it's very simple. Resurrection is identity. Who you really are. Who the work of art, the masterpiece God created from before the foundations of the earth, from before time began. You are a master created poem, the Bible says. Purpose. Everybody is hardwired for purpose. Why am I here? What am I doing? What's my role? Where do I fit in? You have a God-given purpose. Resurrection is what brings that to life and sets you in it. It isn't just purpose and identity. It's destiny. It's destiny. What did my life actually even mean? What does it mean right now? What will it mean Monday, Wednesday? (laughs) Resurrection is what brings that to life. Fundamentally, at its bottom, they talked about it this morning, other people, freedom. Freedom. When we find out who we are in Christ, when we find out what our actual authority is, what our actual responsibility and purpose is, what our destiny is, when we find out what he's really like, we, be, we, we over time, by overcoming, because overcoming is resurrection, we become completely free. Now, I'm of the age when Chris Christopherson's songs came out. Me and Bobby McGee, Sunday morning coming down. Man, what a song. That was Jerry Jeff Walker. Freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose. I don't think that there's, in any version of the Bible, 
Bible of Christofferson chapter. So on one on the one hand, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. That's pretty oh you know, just human. That's pretty kinda what? Um is it pragmatic? Is it what's that other word? It's um cynical. Or what if it's I have everything and nothing left to lose? Because I have resurrection in Christ. What if he really is the resurrection and the life? What if he really is the gateway to that? He says, I am the door. What if he really is my sustenance that, that feeds me through all of that whole process? What if he is like he says, I am the bread of life? What if he really will, through the power of his Holy Spirit, Scripture, and community, guide me completely? I am the way, the truth, the life. In fact, I am the good shepherd, he says. Seven I am statements in, in the book of John, actually. What if he is who he says he is? Because if, if he is who he says he is, he will do what he says he will do. And he does. He is the resurrection. He is the life beyond the everlasting timeline-bound life. He is. He is. Can I see the last slide, please? Jesus is saying the same thing today that he said back then. Laz, are us. Come out. Dare. Dare. Put everything at risk. Dare to lose, to change, to grow, to gain all. Come out. He needs you. You need him. The people you care about most need him. Your circles of influence need him. Your city needs him. This is the perfect season. This is the perfect three-week time span. Say yes. I don't know if it was clockwise or counterclockwise. Anyway, let get the help you need to loose the bonds, to get the grave clothes off. Go for it. It's there. The Holy Spirit's waiting. He's got the resources you need. Everything you'll ever need is already inside you. If you will just simply say, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you died. I believe that you rose from the dead. I believe with everything I have, that's true. At that point in time, all the resources become available because you're filled with the Holy Spirit. He will loose the gifts of the Spirit as needed as time goes to the extent that you continue saying yes to resurrection. Engage in the process of letting others help you unwrap your grave clothes. The things that you have, the things that have you limited and bound. What kinds of things are those? Well, I made a list. I'm going to try to find it. This is the resurrection of you, the real you, the real you unchanged.
Resurrect from things holding you back or dragging you toward the grave. Let go and let God. Some of that will come as a one-time thing. We've had people come out of that up out of that baptismal at times. We've had people on Saturday nights completely delivered or healed. Or it could even be a, a process, maybe even a like, lifelong process. Let him do it his way. Resurrection power. Power over hurts and habits and hang-ups. Power over unhealthy lifestyle, unhealthy relationships. Power over toxic atmospheres. Power over misplaced loyalties. Oh my gosh, I don't know why I'm still hanging out with this even my, I mean, that even happened in my own family. Had some misplaced loyalties. Worked out later, because I followed him. Power, anybody tired of emotion running your life? Feelings being in the driver's seat? There's, there's resurrection from that. How about this? The power to discern and come out from things in your life that have truly died. Now, prophecies and visions and dreams from God, let's get them resurrected. Let's get you running toward them. But there are also things that God has lifted his grace from, or have died, no longer have any life in them, and yet we're still spending time, energy, talent toward them. It might be nice to get free from the things that have truly died. Leave them behind. To have the peace to do that. Things that no longer have life, that steal from you, that damage your relationships. Those kinds of things. There's resurrection from those things too. What's the key? Same thing he told Lazarus. Come out. Come out. Come out. He's right. Here. You see that sky above that hole? Yeah, I don't have a picture of Jesus there because there's no accurate picture of him out there. But his hand is reaching now. Just take it. Just say yes. Even if you're not even sure what that means because the Holy Spirit will help you. So will other people in this room. So, transformation, resurrection is available. Always has been. 2,000 years. But today, it's ripe. Today, it's ready. So, I don't have a fancy clothes. It's just a matter of you doing business with the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just say yes. And then tell somebody. Maybe they're not even here today. But tell somebody you did. So, if you want to come up here, to say your yes, if you want to stand to say your yes, if you want to raise your hand to say your yes. This is, there's no formula. It's between you and the Holy Spirit of God. You can sit there in your chair silently and say yes. Just say yes. And then look around the room because there's somebody that would love to hug you or shake your hand because you did so. Just approach that person looking awkward and like, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm supposed to shake your hand. Or maybe you're a person who already has said yes. And you know in the spirit somebody who just did and they don't know what the next step is. Just walk up to them and shake their hand and say, welcome. Welcome to the kingdom. Welcome to resurrection. 
Can we do that? Okay, that's my close. Now, I do have a four-minute video. I hope I loaded the right one in that case. That is celebratory in nature. That is, because this is, I mean, look, church is a gathering of the family in celebration. So this is celebration time. So how about we do a little up-tempo song and we say, I thank God. I thank God. Resurrection. I thank God for Lazarus. I thank God for Bethany. Amen? Amen. Thank you for coming today. And do that. Let somebody know. Let somebody know so that you can celebrate together and then walk together. We love you. We love you. (laughs) Nowhere near as much as your Heavenly Father does. But we're going to try. Again, thank you for coming. Thanks again for joining us on Joy Church Podcast. We want to personally invite you to our Sunday services at 1030 a.m. held at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To find out more about the Joy Life, be sure to visit www.joychurch.life. See you Sunday.